Welcome back to BTW Baltfila Workshop here at the database with Rabbi Yeshua Eisenberg, where today we're going to be doing something a little bit different than usual, something that we do every now and then, and that is we take a visit over to the Parsha HaShavuah. I felt that this week's Parsha, at least at the moment of this recording, which happens to be Parsha's Balak, has too many yesodos about tefillah for us to just pass it by without, without uh, giving it our attention. So among them, we're going to talk about the most famous Pasuk in the Parsha, which is a Pasuk that has made it into our davening. In fact, for many people, the first piece of davening that we say as we're entering the shul, Matovu Halacha Yaakov Mishkin Secha Yisrael, that entire paragraph is important, not necessarily for a chazan or a baltfila in, in any typical regard, you know, as, as far as leading the davening is concerned, but every single person who enters the shul the Baal and the congregant included, we say these words, and it pays to understand what the line and the paragraph means um, and um, why exactly these words, which were issued from the mouth of a Russia, make it into our Parsha. So there's that, but there are other Yisodos and Tefillah that I want to talk about. Before we do, I want to just let you know and remind you that we do have an upcoming series on Yom Noraim, Ezra Hashem, and I did say in the schedule um, that we were going to kick off the Yom Noraim series this week, and Ezra Hashem, I still intend to do that. Um, and by the way, the schedule that I just mentioned, um, that was presented in the WhatsApp group. The, the database podcast has a WhatsApp group. You can join that WhatsApp group. All you have to do is just reach out to me at thedatabase at gmail.com. That's the data then base, B-E-I-S at gmail.com with your phone number. And I'll simply add you to the group. That's where we have all the schedules, all the updates. You'll know immediately when there is a sheer podcast uploaded. You'll know um, a few days in advance about what's going to be happening each week. So that schedule is often um, changed. So I let you know there. And, you know, it's the kind of group that you, you will only hear from me when there's something tachless oriented. It's not the kind of thing that's buzzing all day long. Um, and all, and at, at the moment, only I post in it. It's, um, you know, only the admin can post. So you can be in that WhatsApp group and you can get all the updates that you possibly need without, um, you know, without, you know, being unsure. You'll, you'll know there what's happening. So once again, if you want to be in that WhatsApp group, just reach out to me at thedatabase at gmail.com, and that's the same place to reach out if you want to give a sponsorship for the Shiorim. Okay, so another thing that I'll just mention, which was not posted in the schedule, is that we have also an upcoming workshop for Slichos for Shiva Asr Batamas, which at the moment of this recording is this Sunday, Be'ezras Hashem. So we have plenty to do in that regard as well. We've devoted previous workshops to Slichos, but as you might know from this workshop already, um, it's not just about the Nusach, which is also important, but we talk about the, the Kavana, the meaning, and the, the Havana, the understanding of the words, so you can understand what you're saying, whether you're the Baal whether you're the congregant, but certainly if you're the Baal um, you would want to have an understanding of what you're saying, that um, the, the idea of kavana, which is often neglected nowadays, is something which is really important, and um, that that would be missed 
Um, if you don't take the time out to look at the davening yourself, or if you don't um, stop by the Baltivila workshop to hear more. So that's also coming this week. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about Matovu Oholecha Yaakov Nishkenosecha Yisrael. So this, once again, is um, one of the blessings that Bilam issues toward and about Klal Yisrael. It's, uh, it's the third, a uh, part of the third nevuah, the part of the third mashal that Bilam speaks. And what we find interestingly about this line is that it's the only line of its kind. It's a pasuk taken from the mouth of a Russia, and it made it into our davening. Now, well, when was this instituted? How, how did this? Uh, how did this make it in? So, if you look in the Siddur of Amram Gon, um, I think that's one of the first places that it's found. So, apparently, it dates back to the time of the Gaonim. The Gaonim instituted saying this line, and it's not just the line itself of Matovu Olecha, but there's a few more psukim that are in there. Some are psukim, some are not actually psukim. So, for example. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll go through the entire paragraph and talk about also, um, not, not just the meaning of the words, which of course is what we want to do. We want to understand why we're saying these words as we walk into a shul. Um, but also, um, since there are some famous tunes for Matova Olecha, so this Shabbos, maybe you'll consider using one of those tunes. So we'll talk about where you can use those. And we'll get to that after we talk about what the words themselves mean. Because, you know, the, the tune without the words is, is just a tune, and you, you won't be able to have the kavana of what the words actually mean unless, you know, you know what the words mean. So we're going to talk about that right now. Um, but in terms of what is the structure of Matovu Olecha, so we have one pasuk from Sefer Bamidbar, um, which or Parshas Velik, which is our parsha, and then we have a handful of psukim that come from Tehillim. Now, what I what I'm seeing is the line of uh, So I have from Ravari Marcus. It's not exactly a pasuk um, from Tehillim. It's um it's based on a pasuk from Tehillim, but it's not an exact quote. Um, the the Mikubalim they kind of rewrote this verse, um, you know, and and that's how it was put in. But let's see why why did the Gaonim have us say these words upon walking into a shul? In some regards, it might be obvious. In some regards, not as much. So Bilam says these words: Matovu ohalacha Yaakov, how goodly or how fair. Um, are the tents of Yaakov, Mishkanosecha Yisrael, your dwelling place is Yisrael. Right, so we have Ohel and we have Mishkan. These are words that are certainly familiar to us. Ohel means a tent, Mishkan means some kind of a dwelling place. I um, mean, usually um, is the whole question of does Mishkan mean a temporary dwelling place? Is it a permanent place of residence? So it's the, from the Lashon of Shachin, which means a neighbor, a neighbor is someone who dwells near you. So, you know, Mishkan could be translated maybe as a neighborhood of sorts. Um, and the, obviously the word matovu is an ex, it's an exclamation. It's not a question of, oh, so tell me, how good are they? How, how, how fair are they? I'm, I'm curious to know. No, it's a statement of, wow, like, matovu, how incredible this is. So we say this, and we know that there are midrashim that explain that when Bilam is describing the Ohel Yaakov and the Mishkan Yisrael, um, or really the, the, the plural, the, uh, the tents of Yaakov and the Mishkanos of Yisrael, um, he's referencing more than one thing. You know, the Pashup shot is that he's referencing the homes um, of Klal Yisrael. Um, he sees their tents. But of course, um, the, 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 it's less likely that their Mishkan will be described, uh, or that their homes would be described as a Mishkan. So Mishkan might refer 
to multiple you know, places that Hashem dwelled. I think the Rashi quotes the Midrash says the Mishkan refers to the Batei Mikdash. So, so we find sometimes the Beis Mikdash is called Mishkan and vice versa. Sometimes the Mishkan is called the Mikdash. Asuli Mikdash V'shachanti B'socham. Something that we spoke about Parsha Struma. But um, so um, in, in modern times, um, we, we, we look to the Midrashim that say that this is a reference to the Batei Midrash and the Batei Knesios. Um, the shuls and the, and, and the uh, places of study. Any place where there's Torah and Tefillah happening. And so obviously it makes sense that we think about this, when we think about the holiest abodes of Kla Yisrael. So when we go into the shul, we say the words of Matova Halacha. What we still have yet to explain is why these are the choicest words, especially since they, they came from Bilam, where, you know, you think like, you know, you want to incorporate something Gaish. Um, and this is, um, you know, perhaps a, a debate um, in modern times, you know, to, to incorporate a tune for example, we were wary about to quote to incorporate a tune that's a non-Jewish tune into davening. Um, you know, we're not talking about like what, what the halacha explicitly says you cannot do, which is to use a um, a, a, a song that's associated with idolatry. Um, a geisha song, um, a geisha nice song. So um, um, you know, quote unquote. So to to use that, we would be very wary about that. And yet, in our davening, we quote Bilam. So something that, you know, nowadays, obviously, since it's quoted in the Torah, we don't have as much a problem with it, maybe as we would doing something more contemporary, taking a contemporary source and throwing it into the davening, which, um, who knows, maybe somewhere down the line, some some, um, crazy person is going to try to do something like that. But in the meantime... We understand its meaning, and right. If you continue the paragraph, this is the line really that um, as you're walking in, I've heard this is where you say, as for me through the abundance of your kindness. Now this is already not Bamidbar anymore, not Parshas Balak. I'm going to enter your house. So I'm going to enter your house. I'm going to bow towards the sanctuary of your holiness in awe of you. Uh, this is a pasuk in Tehillim. So really, so um, technically, it could be it's more appropriate to say Matovu at the entrance as you're about to walk in, and then as you walk in, you say Vaniburov Chastecha. Um, and now a lot of us are, you know, kind of like um, we, we might be late to shul, and you know, obviously, this is an incentive to come earlier. Uh, where you don't have to rush these words, but you should think that your mode should change as you're about to come into shul. You should think about that process of walking into shul. Um, okay, so then we say, Hashem um, Hashem, I love the shelter of your house and the place of your residence, of the, of the residence of your glory. So this is something that also we probably, especially due to the COVID pandemic, this is something that we are able to have more of a chavivus for, the, the ability to walk into shul, um, you know, the, 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 for the first time to be able to walk in with that, with that feeling of Hashem. Now this line is the line that it's a pasuk that was tweaked by the Mikubalim. I'm going to prostrate myself and bow. Evercha beirach is the lashon of kneeling, not just a blessing, but here it's the lashon of kneeling. I'm going to I'm going to kneel before my Maker. Va'anis filasi as for me my tefila, or some say that um, um, is similar to David Amalek saying ani tefila that I am tefila. So here it's not that's not what the meaning is. Va'anis filasi, but David Amalek is saying as for me. 
my my should be before you uh, should be to you Hashem at a time that is favorable. We say this line We spoke about what its meaning is there. So if you go back to the workshop that we did on Mincha for Shabbos, so we we spoke about that. So God, in in the abundance of your kindness, answer me with truth and salvation. So we're so this is the introduction to davening. We're talking about how great it is to walk into the base medrash to the base haknesses, and now we are going to start davening. So Hashem, we hope that it's an esratzon. But in the meantime, we're very happy to be here. Okay, so that's a little bit on the meaning of the words. And the question, once again, is why do we say these words? Um, so why we say most of the words, you know, the, the, the words themselves are fairly understandable. But again, going back to the point that we are using specifically the words of, of, of Bilam, who, uh, you know, no other way to... To slice it, he was a he was a Russia. Even 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 if the Pashup Shah of the Chumash is not so clear that he was a Russia, uh, discussion for a separate time. But um, we know he was a Russia. So how are we supposed to relate to this? So I think there are multiple ways to look at our incorporation of Bilam's words into our davening. You could just say that listen, the meaning of the words was totally appropriate. It's in the Torah, and it's just ironic that a guy and a Russia said these words. But okay, listen, we'll, we'll use it, that, you know, if it works. And maybe maybe, maybe that's, that's a fair, balabatish, and workable answer. You know, no, no, nothing, nothing wrong with it. Um, but maybe there's something even more fundamental here. The idea of, and again, on, maybe on, on, on several levels, maybe there's something actually very good about using the words of Bilam HaRasha. You know, Bilam is in fact the enemy. If there's one person that would want to condemn us and say something not nice about us, it would be Bilam. And you can make the argument on the one hand that Bilam, you know, he said what he said because Hashem put those words in his mouth, right? But in a certain sense, it could be that, you know, the way that when Hashem puts words into the mouth of a Navi, so the words are befitting of what the Navi's relationship with, with the words are, meaning you'll notice that different kinds of Naviim have different ways of speaking. And that is because even though Hashem ultimately is the one that programs them to give the Navua, but the Navua comes out in a way that it's relatable to the individual themselves. So that's, that, that would explain why they have different ways, they have different forms, different styles of speech. And it could be that Bilam in a certain sense, would not have been able to, to utter these words if they didn't somehow speak to him too. Meaning, Bilam had to also see what he was seeing and be able to relate to it. Meaning, Bilam's words of Matovo Halech Yaakov, Mishkin Osech Yisrael, were not just something that he was forced to say, but it was, def- it was defeat that he was forced to admit. It was a confession that he was forced to, to make. It was a submission to the absolute purity of Kala Yisrael, the um, the, the amazing chastity, the modesty, the pristine nature of Klal Yisrael. And if you can get your enemy to admit that, then that, that, that is a, you know, that, that's a declaration of triumph. You know, his, his declaration of defeat is our, is our declaration of victory. And why would you not want to use those words? You know, it's kind of like, you know, if, if, if your political enemy is able to admit that you're right about this. So you usually take that and you run with it. You know, you got to take it with a grain of salt because you're not going to agree with everything else that they say. And so we're not, you know, we're not claiming to say that everything Billam says is true or right. 
you know, the, the Bilam might have many opinions that we disagree with. And as a Russia, of course he would, which is why you have to be very careful, especially when you're going to quote a Russia, when you're going to quote um, someone whose hashkafa is different. So Bilam clearly had a very different hashkafa, but when he got it right, he got it right. And, and that's what we're highlighting here. This is the only Pusik of his that we quote. And, you know, obviously every Nevoah he said is it was, it was important and true, but it could be that we do this very carefully. You know, we, we quote the Russia with a grain of salt. So here we have one line of Matovo Halach Yaakov Mishkan Yisrael. So, you know, in, in the same vein that, you know, we'll be, we're, we're careful to recognize, you know, when someone says something that's not the Torah Hashkafa, and then on the other hand, one time he says something that, that agrees with Torah Hashkafa, so we'll have to just be careful to differentiate. So here with Bilam, um, you know, we, we, the, apparently these words are very important. This declaration of defeat was a very important one, and this is one that we decide to run with. You might even give another explanation that, um, the whole concept of the hafacha, the flipping, the reversing of what Bilam wanted to say to what he had to say. He wanted to say something bad. He came in with the wrong hashkafa. He intended to do something the wrong way. And what, and what, and what did Hashem ultimately program him to do? Hashem redirected his words so that he could say the right thing. And that he can be, you know, his hashkafa would be for that moment in the right place. I think that in itself is also a very important uh, message for us as we go into davening, right? Matovo Alecha is is a reset, and, and it's something to think about. One, one, one thing that I'll point out is that even though this is not a parsha shir, but I think it's important to recognize that when Hashem begins to to interfere with Bilam's journey towards cursing Klal Yisrael, so you'll notice that the Pasuk describes the Malach that was placed on the road, L'Satanlo, to impede him. The word, that, that word, L'Satan, to impede. Now, what's interesting is we think typically of the Satan as being a, a bad guy, right? He's the guy that wants to make you do Averis. He impedes you from serving Hashem properly. That's usually what Satan means when we talk about the word Satan. When we see the word Satan in tradition in Chazal, that's usually what the word Satan means. Now, Rashi, right here, about uh, the Malach that uh, stood in Bilam's way, Rashi says that this Malach was a Malach of mercy. So interesting, with a Malach of mercy coming to impede Bilam. The, the, the nature of the impediment to Bilam was not trying to, um, to mess Bilam up, it was trying to actually help Bilam. So that's a little bit strange. We find the word Satan, and the, the word Satan, and Satan's coming to help Bilam. Why is the Satan coming to help Bilam? So the way I try to explain this, um, I have an essay that I, where I wrote on this topic, and if you want ever continue conversation, you want to see more, reach out to me at the database at gmail.com. But the word Satan, clearly, you know, um, it's, it's, it's not a common word in Chumash, something that you should know. So if it's used here, you know, even though we have a traditional understanding of the word Satan means we know Satan equals the bad guy, so even though that's how we think of it, but really we would have to try to really conform our understanding of that to the Chumash. So when the Chumash said the word Satan, what did the word mean? Now what the word Satan really means, it, it is something that stands in the way, but for a, a particular purpose. What does the Satan in our life really serve? What's the purpose? What is the, well, what is the point of the Satan? So the Satan really is the thing that's supposed to help enable our free choice. When we normally would be 
perhaps in the direction of doing the Ratzon Hashem. Maybe the, the baseline would be, listen, Hashem tells you to do something, you do it. Then, you know, along comes the Satan. The Satan um, gives the, the opportunity to sin. It gives that a fighting chance. So normally, we have the Satan, he's on the other end of the spectrum, to enable sin to have a possibility, enables our free choice. And sometimes the more you do a veros, then the more the, that, that side pulls you down. Right? The Ramchal says that when Adam and Chavai from the tree, um, you know, he says it's in Derech Hashem, basically, um, he gave more weight to the side of sin. So then we have to work extra hard to fight back and now to have a yearning to serve Hashem properly. But the Satan is an equalizer. Now, Bilam was an individual who was so corrupt and so evil that his baseline was absolutely not to serve Hashem. His baseline was to go in the absolute opposite direction. And Bederacham, you know, that, that, that person wants to go on, that's the, that's the place he's, he's naturally going to be led to. But Hashem wanted to give Bilam a fighting chance to do the right thing. So in this case, the Satan had to go in the opposite direction. The Satan, which normally pushes us to do bad so that we would have the free choice to do bad, for Bilam, who was hell-bent, quite literally, um, or I guess not if literally is the right word, but, but quite precisely, um, he was hell-bent on doing the wrong thing. So the Satan had to go in the opposite direction to try to block him, to give him more of a free choice. Thus, by the time Bilam finally finished his mission, you know, by the, by the time you know, when, when Bilam finally said, he saw the Malach, he's like, okay, you know what, I'm going to turn around now. Right, when Bilaam realized there was a Malach there, and the Malach you know, killed the donkey, Bilaam's like, okay, I'm going to go home now. And then the, then the Malach, right then and there, says, oh, no, Bilaam, if you really want to go, you can go. Like, what, like, why would that happen? I thought the whole point was that the Malach was supposed to stop him. The answer is that once Bilaam saw the Malach, in a certain sense, his free choice was withdrawn from him again, but this time in the opposite direction. Right, like first he had no free choice in a certain sense that his nikudas habachir was not in the place that he would not curse the Jews. Meaning, he, if he was able to, he was for sure going to curse the Jews. There was nothing that was going to stop him. Therefore, the malach had to give him a little bit of free choice to do the right thing, help him enable his free choice to do the right thing. But once Bilam saw the malach himself, so then at that point Bilam's like, okay, forget that, and he had he had no free choice, but he was going to for sure turn around. Then at that point, the Malach had to say, no, 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 Bilam, if you want to go, you can go. That gave Bilam the okay. Bilam now had his equilibrium again. And so then, um, you know, Bilam then made his own decision. And he said, okay, I'm going to go. And he tried to curse them once again. But what's the point? Why am I saying all this? What does this have to do with tefillah? The words Matova Olach Yaakov, Mishkin Yisrael, are the words in which Hashem ultimately, when push came to shove, Hashem was going to for sure take away Bilaam's choice if it was going to come down to whether or not you curse the Jews. Hashem was not going to let Bilaam do it. In other words, Hashem redirected, rearranged, and completely, once again, programmed Bilaam so that he should say the right thing. His hashkafa should be in the right place. Even though until that point, Hashem um, was allowing him to have his free choice, at this point, it was not going to be the case. The Satan, which naturally is, is the thing that puts us in the wrong direction, really is just to give us the free choice. It's just to give a, a fair opportunity for us to either do the right thing or the wrong thing. So what we ask Hashem when we say, at the beginning of our davening, is in a certain sense, we would like Hashem to take the reins. We would like Hashem to program us. If our hashkafa, just like Bilam's, is not in the right place, 
Hashem reverse it so we could be in the right place. That's the concept of the the, the hafacha. And I saw something similar um, written about this in a, in a book called Illuminating Our Day by Rabbi Zucker from uh, Mivasaret. Um, it's a very good book. Um, but, the, but the point is that what we are asking Hashem is, Hashem, whatever happened yesterday, I'm about to walk into shul. We're starting a new day of davening. Hashem, put my hashkafa in the right place. You take the steering wheel, steer me in the right direction. And as I walk into your shul, I, something should go off. A signal should go off saying everything, whatever happened yesterday, whatever happened just a moment ago, it's changing. I'm walking into daven. And that's the hashkafa of Matovo Lachiyakov Mishkan Osecha Yisrael. Even if, we, even if we are so hell-bent on doing an Avera, and most of us are not that way. Most of us are not so, so corrupt and so evil, Baruch Hashem. But we do have hang-ups. We do have certain things, hashkafically, where we're not fully there. We do have Yitzhah, you know, Yitzhahara. We have Taiva. We have things that are on our minds. Maybe we're not as bad as Bilam, but what do we want? The same, the same time that Hashem would send us Satan to go in the direction of Rachamim, um, to, to, to help us out, we're asking Hashem to help us, to, to help program our minds and our hearts so that we'll be in the right place as we go into Shul. So that's a little bit on Matar Olach Yaakov, Mishkin Yisrael. Now let's talk about some, some places to use the tune. So there are a few tunes that, we, that people might be familiar with. You know, one tune is, So there, I, I would not necessarily use that for any part of davening. That's not matovu. If you're davening with kids, then great. Um, you can go with that one. But um, I much more prefer the happier one, um, which is in a major. And since that tune is a little bit faster, so the places, if you're diving for the Amad on Shabbos, you know, so the, the, the two hot spots, um, as we mentioned frequently in Baltzfila workshop, is in Lichadodi, right? And then the high part. So you have that, you have Lechadodi, and the other place is in Shachris Keladon. And it works out very, very nicely. So those are the two places where you would probably use it in davening. So you have Kabbalah Shabbos and you have Shachris. Um, I haven't figured out a place for Musaf yet. Um, I wouldn't try to plug it into Anas Miros because it might make Anas Miros drag, but maybe. Um, but that's a little bit on Matovu. Now there's one other Yisod in davening that I thought would be important to mention as long as we're um, looking at Parshas Balak right now. And that is something that we see, something that we learn and understand about davening in general. And this is an important hashkafa for life, for davening any day, and it's something that should hopefully be, be with you all the time. But that's the whole question of how davening works. Really, or really, the, the, another form of the question is, why doesn't davening work? That's what people often ask. Davening doesn't work. You know, I daven for this, I didn't get it. So that's obviously a very a juvenile way to understand tefillah, and there's something clearly wrong with it, but we have to get to the bottom of it. What is the whole hashkafa of davening? And I think 
the question that we're essentially asking is very similar to the frustration that Balak had and the frustration that Bilam had. Right, perhaps um, the, the, the frustration was more on Balak's end, with Bilam as more of desperation. Bilam's just trying to get that buck from Balak, but Balak is, is constantly getting really upset with him because Balak doesn't understand, hey, why isn't it working? Right? Why isn't your, your ability to connect to God through words and to get what you want out of him, why isn't that working? That was essentially the question. Because Balak had the understanding of, you know, natural sorcery, incantation, black magic, that this is what Bilam would do, and this is what, you know, Bilam would have to use. Now, Chazal clearly understood that it wasn't just heebie-jeebies, but clearly Bilam had a certain chachma to know exactly when God was angry, that apparently there was a moment where there's divine justice, and Bilam knew how to take advantage of that. He knew how to sort of, um, you know, he, he knew when the ace rut zone Right, the Ace Ratzon is so fascinating. And at the end of Matovu, we actually say this. We say, We're asking Hashem for the Ace Ratzon. Notice how Bilam wanted to find the Ace Ratzon to curse. And then he, all he could find was an Ace Ratzon. It says, Vayar Bilam, that wa ki, ki tov es But Bilam saw that it was good. He saw an Ace Ratzon for good. So I, I just thought of that now, but it's very fascinating. But anyway, um, Bilam knew the Esratzon for cursing. And so the meaning there was a real chachma. It wasn't just black magic. Bilam knew how to connect to Hashem in a certain way. But Balak is wondering, why isn't it working? Right? That, that, that's his contention. And, the, um, and don't we ask the same question all the time as well? We said all the magic words that the Anshe Knesset Sagadola wrote for us, all, you know, the, the, the prescripted words. We said everything. We dive in, Shachas Minchamarev, three filos a day, Shemon Esrei, Sedin Shemakalinu, and I didn't get what I wanted. Right? So davening doesn't work. That's a, that, that's a fair conclusion. Right? So we, you know, we, we get frustrated like Balak, and then we, you know, we walk away. And we say, yeah, forget tefillah. But obviously, that's all, you know, it's still a juvenile way to think of tefillah. Because tefillah is not black magic. So how exactly does it work? So Bilam actually tries to explain this to Balak. Balak doesn't get it. He, he just can't, he can't grasp it. But here's what Bilam basically says to Balak. He says, listen, if God's not angry at these people, how can I curse? If these people Hashem sees as blessed, ki baruchu, these people are blessed, there's not much we can do. We, we, you know, we can, we can, we can get angry. We can make faces. We can, we can say not nice things about them, but I can't get out the words of curse. I can't affect an actual curse if these people Hashem sees to not be worthy of curse. If Hashem sees them worthy of blessing, then Hashem will give them blessing. And this is, you know, the, like this seems very simple, but how profound it is, right? There's something that I've noticed some shuls do. And I've been very fascinated by it. They say, special Misha Beirach on Shabbos for those who are Shomer Piv B'Shas Tefillah, B'Eis Tefillah, people who are not talking during davening, people who are careful to not speak during davening. And I thought, hey, that's interesting. Because if you'd ask me, who really needs the Misha Beirach? You should give the Misha Beirach to the talkers in the Bali Avera. Right? They're the ones who really need it. Right? You should daven for the people who are going to be less worthy, who will probably much more need the merit. Let, you know, daven for those guys. Why are we davening for the people who are keeping their mouths shut during davening? What's, what's an exclusive club? 
you know, like, oh, if you're, if you're, oh, you're part of the talking minion, so, you know, you're part of the talking shul, so we're not going to uh, say a special mishavach for you. We're going to say for the people in our exclusive club, the, you know, the, you know, the, the frummies who aren't talking. Like, like well, what's that all about? Like, and, and also, like, what, 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 like, do they really need our special mishavach? Do they need our bracha? They're, they're doing the right things. Like, they, they have good schus on their side. So why do they need our mishavach? The answer is that we don't understand how tefillah works. The people who are guarding their mouths during tefillah, they have a special qualification for bracha. The schus is going to be something that's going to enable the bracha to take effect, right? You, just because you might be deserving of something does not necessarily mean you're going to get it every single time because part, there is a hishtadless aspect, aspect of tefillah that we have to beseech the king, talk to him so we can get what we want. So for that reason, we need to daven. But who's going to get the who's going to get the schus of the bracha? The person who's deserving of it, the person who's worthy of it. Sometimes you could even invoke the midas harachamim, and Hashem will give you something even if you don't deserve it. It's possible, and I'm not saying you shouldn't daven for people who are balei avera that they should succeed in 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 serving Hashem properly, and people who are talking in shul that they also could use a bracha. They could. But the bracha might not be as useful for them if there if there's no way for them to actually unlock these uh, the, the 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 positive fortune that comes with the bracha, because they're 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 not clay kibble they're not vessels fitting to be receptacles for the bracha because they are talking during davening, so there's a, they, they don't have the ace rutzon um, or um, or the segula if you will that other people who are more worthy will. So that's not even a question. It's like, no, like the people who are not talking during shul, they are worthy of bracha, and therefore a bracha will take effect on them. So, you know, it might be a waste of a bracha to, uh, in a certain sense to, to give the nishaberach to someone who's talking during davening. On, on a different level, yes. I'm not, and again, I'm not saying you shouldn't daven for them, but just to understand how tefillah works. It's not just incantations. It's not just magic words. But it's something that speaks to the individual whom you're davening for and the person who's davening. You know, the same thing when it comes to makam kavua. You know, Balak kept on saying, oh, maybe you're standing in the wrong spot. Stand over there. It's not magic. You know, if all else is equal and the makam is a place where there are no distractions and nothing is going wrong, don't assume that you're doing the magic wrong. You're not playing your cards well. Just do a better job. Be a better, you know, have more bitachon. Have a better understanding. Tefillah is a reflexive exercise. It's something that's supposed to transform who you are before Hashem. Hashem's mind doesn't change. This is exactly what Bilam tells Balak. Hashem's mind doesn't simply change. He doesn't have nechama in the way that humans do. It doesn't just change his mind. The way it works is we change ourselves and the circumstances have to change. And we know that Bilam was only able to get an effective curse on Klaistral when Klaistral did an Avera. He didn't even have to curse them. When Klaistral did an Avera with Baal Pa'or, then, then, then Bilam and Balak were home free. But that all speaks to the worth of the individual. And that's something that this is a yesod for tefillah, as I said, um, every day of the year. And um, hopefully it's something that will change your tefillah as well. Anyway, um, I think that's all the time we have for this particular workshop, where once again we spoke about the incorporation and the meaning and the tune usage of Matovo Olecha Yaakov Mishkan Secha Yisrael. And then we spoke about this other yisod about exactly how it is that tefillah works. And um, again, we have more workshops coming up this week, so stay tuned. I'm looking forward to davening with you again in the future. And thank you for joining us here at the database.